This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Melka out of the net, turns it over. Pearson in front for Joshua, he scores! It was Curtis Lazar on the forecheck that got the puck behind the net. Dakota Joshua tucks it in to make it 2-0 Vancouver. Chen right side, floats a wrist shot to the goal, blocked by Stetcher. Pedersen drops to Kuzmenko, his wrister was blocked by Unique, then Pedersen gets it, he scores! With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Luke Shin back to it. Kuzmenko standing in the box. About to be released. He is back onto the ice. And Pearson finds him for a breakaway. Kuzmenko in alone. Score! Out of the box and into the back of the net. Andre Kuzmenko has his third of the preseason to make it 4-0. On the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks dominate the Arizona Coyotes, winning 4-0 to wrap up the preseason with a dominant performance, outshooting the Coyotes 32-7 in this game, keeping the Coyotes to under 10 shots. It is Satyar Shah with Vic Nazar. Randy Janda is going to stay on and chat with us here as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on on Sportsnet 650. Get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text in the box, 650-650. You can grab a phone line as well, 604-280-0650. In an exciting Canucks evening where they wrap up the road trip, I mean, wrap up the preseason, and they also make a trade, Randy. But, hey, we talk so much about the Canucks having a strong performance in the preseason, play good hockey at some point, have some good habits, and, well, I know the Coyotes are a bad hockey team, but keeping any team to under 10 shots is a strong performance preseason or not. No, and they frustrated the Coyotes tonight, which is exactly what you want. They were forceful right off the bat, drawing penalties within the first, you know, four minutes, scoring Bo Horvat there with the tip. So when I look at tonight's game, yeah, the opposition that's in front of you, it's an inferior inferior offense. We know that. We, we see Barrett Hayden as the leading goal yeah. scorer on this roster tonight. He had 24 points last year, guys. The top five... Guys on the team last year uh, either not playing tonight or they left the team. So we know what the opposition was, but the Canucks, for that opposition that they're playing, they were strong. You know, they were assertive right off the bat. And what I liked about tonight's at was you had that balanced scoring. You had Kuzmenko scoring, but he also you know played a key role on that Pedersen goal, and it was spread out. The fourth line chipped in as well. That's what you want in the lead-up to the season where everybody's skating. Now, the, the biggest question coming out of this game, though, guys, is Connor Garland. Yeah. What is the status of Connor Garland, who left the game after what was an – he got, kind of got sandwiched between a couple of Arizona Coyotes plays Connor in the Connor Timmons was in the play and another player, and he got caught in the middle. Yeah, and you know what? He kept on playing afterwards, and then he didn't come out for the third period. Patrick Alvin uh, said that, uh, you know, they're kind of monitoring. We'll hear what uh, the head coach has to say. He was ruled out of the game, and with – Tyler Myers being out two to four weeks. The latest in the injury front, Travis Dermott having a concussion and being out indefinitely. And also with Mikheyev and Besser out, at least in the short term, it's another big injury potentially that could put the Canucks behind the eight ball when the season begins. But the good news as far as the game goes, you mentioned Elias Pettersson. What else can you say about how he's played in this preseason and how dialed in he looks ahead of the first game of the year? Yeah, he's ready. He's ready to go. That shot is looking, you know, there were moments maybe last year when he was tentative and he didn't really attribute it to injury. He talked about confidence, and maybe he loaded himself up with pressure. He looks really, really strong right now, really confident. And when he's getting that shot off, even in moments where you'd say, okay, maybe the pass was a better option. I saw that exchange with him and Bo Horvat. They were laughing, it after, yeah. laughing at it after the two-on-one where you're saying, hey, man, I'm, I'm all wide open over here. But I like to see that from Elias Pettersson. He's yeah. confident right now where you're saying, you know, I'm scoring two goals a game or, you know, three in the last two where – He's willing to take that shot and that selfishness. I want to see that from the player. I, I do wonder if he was trying to do the old pad pass and, Fair and enough. rebound to yep. Bo Horvat. It was, it was a weird angle, so maybe that's what they were laughing about. It was about. a little high, though, because I think he went like yeah. uh, yeah. But But nevertheless, yep. look, if, if you miss it by four inches off the ice, that's going to happen. Sure. But, yeah, you just see the natural confidence. He had so many moments, too, just away from the puck where he picked off passes. And that's the thing with when Elias Pedersen is playing at his sharpest. You see the defensive presence, how many plays he breaks up, just how he reads the play. It reminds me of like an NFL safety, just kind of hovering, hovering, and then he pounces, and suddenly this transition chance that one team thought they were getting, suddenly going back the other way, led by number 40, and then the shot. It's, it's back, right? Yep. Like it's You want to see that carry over to game one and that five-game road trip. And if he's going, Randy, you and I have talked about this on the People Show, if he's playing at a star level, 
it doesn't really matter who's with them, and he hasn't hit that that level consistently. And I'm talking 40, 50, 60 games that if Hoaglander's next to him, if Pitcoles and if Mikheyev, if Kuzmenko, it, it, it shouldn't matter if you're playing at a certain level, and this team has not gotten to that stage at all. If he does that this season, watch out. And one of the things, I remember Yannick Hansen mentioning this as well. You can listen to him weekly on Sportsnet 650. I know he's on with you today, Sad, on Canuck Central. But I remember him saying one thing. When you start making a certain amount of money, or if you're a top six center, it doesn't matter who you play with. And he was referencing Bo Horvat at that time. But Elias Pettersson is, is proving that, where, hey, Linus Carlson, we can debate whether he's an NHLer, but the fact is, with Kuzmenko and Carlson, Elias Pettersson still looks so dangerous. He yeah. elevates all of their games, and you're starting to see that with Elias Pettersson, where he takes attention off, you know, towards him. He attracts a couple of players towards him. It's going to leave you open. Can you find those soft areas? Can you get that shot off? We know Kuzmenko can. Now, while they go through these injuries, who is that other player? Yeah. You know, and ideally it will be Mikheyev when he gets back because he can do something different. He's very, yeah. you know, his skill set is different. But in the meantime, who will that player be? Well, I mean, I'd say up front tonight, I think Niels Ullman did a good job of yep. establishing himself here. And given the injuries, I'd be surprised if he's not on the roster. Linus Carlson, I'm not sure we saw enough from him tonight. But the Canucks have some space. They tra traded out Jason Dickinson today. They acquired Riley Stillman, the defenseman. But up front, it does open up a spot potentially. And, and you know, we're going to play the audio. Patrick Alvin met with the media during the second intermission. And his reaction to what he can do with this, with this little cap space that has been opening up, but has been opened up with this trade of Jason Dickinson and a second-round pick going to the Chicago Blackhawks in, a, in exchange for Riley Stillman. But on the back end, Riley Stillman comes in. That's an NHL body who Alvin said is a third-pair guy for them potentially. So that means means, well, Landon and Rathbone are not both going to be on this roster. Given how Landon's played, given Rathbone and how much the organization has invested in him, uh, who gets the nod here? Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one, because when you go after Stillman, you know he brings you know an edge to his game, but you mentioned he's an NHL defenseman. Now, the way I could see this is, you know, Christian Wolanin is a, is a good player. He's somebody that's NHL ready now. Yeah. Can he play in the AHL? Yes, he put up 18 points there. But if I were to make that call right now, you do have some, you know, your waiver is exempt with Jack Rathbone. Do you let him season for a little bit and call him up at some point, maybe whenever you need him? Like, I, I think if you have that tool, guys, if you're able to do that, utilize it to me. So in that case, if I have to choose between one of those guys at some point and somebody's coming back healthy, I would probably lean Will Landon right now. But that's also a stopgap measure until Jack Rathbone is, is ready to go. But I did see some things tonight from him where, you know, on the penalty kill, denying the blue line. He made a great play yeah. there. If you can see a little bit more of that from him, I, I'm very comfortable with him playing, you know, those 15, 16 minutes. But I don't think there's a real pressure to have him in the lineup unless, you know, you really, really need to have him. So I'm okay with slow playing Jack Rathbone this year. Yeah, he, he did have some really good moments. You talked about the, the zone denials as well. Um, he had one where he took the puck in his own zone, uh, picks up a loose puck, and just – Tried to press it, skated yep. away from pressure, and just, again, poised on the puck. But then there were other moments that it's, it's recurring habits that he's done the backhand behind the net sweep yep. reverse that he's just kind of hoping his D partner or someone is there. And tonight Arizona picked it off and didn't really create much because they had seven shots total. But nevertheless, it's, it's the habit that you want to see that get broken at some point. And that has persisted. It's... It might seem like a minor thing, but it's in your own zone. You can't be yeah. creating turnovers that way, and you, you want to see that corrected at some point. And if you're not applying uh, things that I imagine are being trying to coached out of you, but you, you want to see that broken before you start entrusting, uh, you know, 15, 16, 17 minutes to a guy. And well, there was one play in his own zone as well here, and I believe it was the second period where it was just a soft play up the middle where you don't really want to make that. It was just it went back the other way, and it's Arizona. It's an understaffed Arizona team, uh, underskilled if you want yeah. to put it. But if that's another team during the regular season, if you're doing that against Edmonton in game one of the season, that's probably there's a good chance that might end up in the back of your net. So there are certain moments in the game where you're saying you go for the, the NHL-tested player who's a little bit more polished, and you can slow play Jack Rathbone. Remember last year, injuries, you know, COVID. It, it did slow down his season, his progress a little bit. 
I don't think there's a rush there. No, I, what I've noticed from Rathbone and watching him tonight, and, and he was better tonight watching him in person than some of the other games, and he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been able to really assert himself. And it seems like he's pressing a bit too much, and if he kind of calms down, maybe it'll be better. But I don't think there's a question. Throughout preseason, well, Lannis performed better. Sure. You know, that's you know I, I, that's what I think from watching it. Now, does that mean Willana is going to make the team over Rathbone? I don't know if Willana gets claimed, so I think it's easy for them to send him down. I think there, there's an investment in Rathbone in terms of what they want to see from him and how they want to bring him along. So it's going to be a really interesting decision. Like this, you know, uh, Dan from Van says, management credibility, the best player should stay. And we'll, it's, it's, it's an early test. It's not, a, it's not a massive one because we're talking about a guy who's most likely being the seventh defenseman or yeah. eighth defenseman to start the season with Riley Stillman coming in and even with Dermot and Myers being out. You're probably going to see him step in and play um, on this roster and probably not Will Landon or Rathbone in the first game of the season, Randy. But uh, I do think that Will Landon has performed better, and it really comes down to management's big-picture decision on this. And how important is it to get Jack Rathbone games, right? Yeah. If you're talking about being the seventh defenseman, I understand the value of having a player around the team practicing with NHLers, but we're not dealing with a team with Utica anymore. It's it's down Highway 1. Yeah. If you can call up this player, you can have those moments. You can have that experience. So I, I don't worry about – I understand, you know, they've invested a lot in Rathbone, but it's important to get him games as well. Yeah. So you don't necessarily want to have him just sitting there in the press box. Get those minutes. So we'll see what happens. I think Christian Willannon, he is – his ceiling is not there like Jack Rathbone. We know yeah. there's a, a lower ceiling. But, Sad, if I talk about – you know, if I'm Bruce Boudreaux – Every coach wants the best player for this moment in their lineup. Who's going to help me win this game or this next game or the next two games? As of right now, that's Christian Willanen. No, it absolutely is. Randy, great stuff, my friend. We'll let you get on with your evening. Enjoy Friday night, and, well, we'll chat very soon. All right, boys, have a good one. Uh, that is Randy Janda, color analyst alongside Brendan Batchelor on the call tonight. Canucks 4, Arizona 0 to wrap up the preseason on home ice with a victory in impressive fashion. Only seven shots against by by the Coyotes. Keep getting your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can grab a phone line as well, 604-280-0650 or toll free, 1-888-275-0650. And, uh, Bick, uh, before uh, we get to more of our thoughts, uh, what is happening on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650? Yeah, you can chime in. Uh, this one, Lannon has been miles better. Sats bang on. Rathbone is a guy that's Devin in Saskatoon. If you don't give Rathbone a chance, how will he ever evolve and improve and get NHL ready? That is a unsigned text. And this one, uh, Rathbone needs time in the AHL, still making high-risk decisions, even in the offensive zone when under pressure. It's, it's all Rathbone talk right now in the inbox. Andrew as well. Uh, guys, how long are we going to shelter Rathbone? He's 23. It's make it or break it time for him. We need to see what he can do in the NHL. Yeah, and you know, the the calculus and the decision on Jack Rathbone is not as simple as the Christian Willannon outplay him or not, right? Because the way Christian Willannon has played, let's also keep in mind he's a 27-year-old who's been through a lot of training camps. He's he's seen this before. He knows probably how to have success in the preseason. And there's a big difference in the pace in the regular season versus the preseason. So, hey, some guys can look like superstars in the preseason, especially some vets and all that sort of stuff. And then once the regular season rolls around, you realize, okay, well, here's a noticeable you know, decrease in their effectiveness and maybe they're not the same guy. With that being in mind, it wouldn't shock me, though, then, Bick, that they end up just giving Rathbone the chance and just sending Willannon down, who is unlikely to get claimed regardless, and they'll just go on with that and, and see if Rathbone can figure it out. So, so to that point about when are they going to find out about Rathbone, it really comes down to did Rathbone play himself off the roster, and I'm not sure he played that bad, and I think that's, that's part of the point. No, I don't think he's done that. Uh, and yeah. is there a difference between making the opening day lineup and making the opening roster just for cap purposes? Well, I mean, there are there are cap considerations for Rathbone in terms of his cap head when you send him down and, and how you do it, and, and that comes into consideration. So there could be something where you hold on to him, then you send him down a few days later, and there will be some, you know, cap gymnastics going on over the next few days and leading up to the first game of the season. So what you may see on the transaction wire may not be really indicative of who you're going to see playing in game one of the season, but there will be options. Now, 
We'll talk more about the trade. We discussed it during the intermission. Canucks trade Jason Dickinson and a second-round pick for Riley Stillman from the Chicago Blackhawks earlier tonight. Just really one last point on Rathbone and actually Will Lannan. Uh, the top two possessors of the puck this evening, Rathbone just under two minutes, and Will Lannan uh, at a buck 47. So uh, the game went at their tempo this evening. Yeah, it certainly did. And um, if you... If you looked at the shift chart, though, it was interesting, too, because even though um, Jack Rathbone played more minutes than Christian Willannon, Willannon had one more shift. Now, part of that was power play because mm-hmm. Rathbone and Willannon both played on power play. Rathbone got more power play time, and sometimes it just simply comes down to being out there more on an elongated power play as opposed to you know even strength ice time. But mm-hmm. I don't think the ice time was indicative as much as the shifts were indicative because even strength, they played – Virtually the same amount of minutes. Just slightly more for uh, Rathman on the power play and 30 more seconds on the PK. Yeah, it's like two and change more minutes. But, yeah, you're right. It's, it's how many times are you put over the boards uh, as well. So, yeah, a, a nice little uh, feather in the cap. And a nice end to uh, the preseason for Christian Willannon, who uh, may be the biggest riser. Yeah. I, I would say it's either him or Kuzmenko. Yeah, I mean, Kuzmenko was always going to – no, I'd say it's Willana because Willana went from being completely unheralded to right. is he going to be on the team? I mean, that's a bigger jump than Kuzmenko who was like, we don't know what he is. He could be a good player. He could yeah. be nothing or whatever it is. I don't think any of us had Christian Willana being here this late in the preseason and us having a conversation after the last preseason of the game, Bick, and talking about how should Willana be on this team considering he outplayed Rathbone throughout the preseason? I don't think anybody expected that. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, 650, 650. You can keep coming in with your thoughts. Uh, Paul from Sunshine Coast. Good show, guys. Roll, what grade would you give the trade tonight? Okay, so uh, let's talk about the trade for a moment. And we're going to hear from Patrick Alvin, Canucks General Manager. We have the audio. We'll turn that around so you can hear his thoughts on the injury updates with the team and obviously uh, why they made this trade. It really comes down to what your, what your goal is for this trade. Right, like if you're looking to be good this year and all that sort of stuff, well, it's not a good trade in that sense. You're trading away a second round pick, but I would grade it as a um, B B minus trade, if or C plus. I, you know what? I, no, I'd I'd grade it as a C plus trade because you're giving up a second round pick, but you are opening up 2.5 million in cap space, cap space potentially next season, and you get some cap cushion this season. So what it does do is give you the opportunity to. Maybe make an acquisition for free on waivers or somewhere else, which is an acquisition of something that helps your team potentially. And that cap space, even though it's $2.5 million if you put my, uh, Stillman down next year, it could be really significant, Bick, in terms of acquiring a big-level player next year. The cap's going up three by $1 million, $2.5 million in cap space. That means the Canucks are now looking at $3.5 million extra cap space next season in a year where Horvat's contract is up and they want to improve the defense as well. So I think them opening that up, gives them an opportunity to significantly improve the team next year and have more options. So I like that portion of it. It's a big cost, the second-round pick of 2024. So I can't – I don't love the trade, but I do give it more than just a simple pass. Yeah, it's more like a D-plus to me. It, it just feels like a high-risk measure. Now, it's one of those things that – it's kind of like doubling down in blackjack set. You got 11, and you, you, you do it every time. And you're going to make up the value as the the dealer hands out the yeah. rest of the cards. So you're kind of stuck in this spot right now. But if you get down to it, and let's say next season the Canucks have a good year and the second rounder gets pushed back a bit further, that's a big advantage. But you mentioned all the cap flexibility it can open up. You now have to utilize that. You can't just open it up for the sake of saving money. Yeah. You actually 100%. have to utilize that cap space. And if they make the right transactions – the current D plus can grow to something like a C plus or a B minus. I just don't know what those next moves are yet, and I just don't want to project a grade as it stands right now. It's more incomplete because the full picture hasn't been painted, right. but the, the the grade of this is going to evolve. You, you can't just say, this is the grade and this is how it looks final tonight. It is very much incomplete. I don't want to cheat anybody out, so I, I'll give an answer. But to your Not point. Like high school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but the point is it does accomplish one big thing. And that is clear cap space, which is the most important thing a team could do, especially in this situation. I was surprised, ultimately, or initially, I would say, big, really surprised the Canucks made this trade because what we heard all along from this management team, Vic, has been we're not in a position to trade draft picks. 
especially high draft picks. Maybe later draft picks, but not high draft picks. And a second-round pick in 2024 is not insignificant. The biggest issue, the biggest concern I have with trading the pick isn't just the player you might select in the second round. Who knows where that goes or what that pick may be. And even second-round picks are not guarantees to be impact players or even players for for that matter. But the opportunity cost of not having a second-round pick when your team could be in a position to be a real contender. Where that second-round pick can help you make an acquisition or give you the flexibility to do something when you need. Now, you used it, it gives you flexibility in that year to do something as well, but there is an opportunity cost that comes with sending out a future second-round pick when you haven't had too many extra extra draft picks in recent years. It's not preparing for the potential of what the future may hold because you don't know what the future might hold. And there's the element of, oh, just save for a rainy day. It's the inverse. Like, what happens if you're better than you realize? Yeah. And you get down the road and you say, hey, boy, I wish we had one more bullet to fire uh, to be able to boost the, the, the roster. So, again, that's why I go back to how are you going to utilize the money uh, now that it's available to you. Yeah, and they're going to have to improve this team still if you want to take another step beyond this season and now they have a little bit more flexibility uh, a lot of reaction coming into the text inbox this one unsigned thank god tim shaller 2.0 is gone a second round of 2024 is worth worth it as there is time to get that back hey listen i'm all for the thought of getting one back but it's time you get one back right this organization this regime now they've netted now they are pick neutral they have traded away a third-round pick to get Dermott. They acquired a third-round pick uh, for Travis Hamnick. They acquired a fourth-round pick for Tyler Mott. And now they've traded a second-round pick for Riley Stillman and get off Jason Dickens' contract. So they're pick neutral. pick neutral. They're pick but neutral, the cost but is a bit higher. Yes. The, the, basically what they've done is swap a fourth-round pick for a, a second-round pick for a fourth-round pick. That's essentially... What what the calculus looks like so far in the in the in the regime of this front office and the trades they've done, they're they've trade they've essentially swapped a second round pick for fourth round pick in their pick selections. Is it worth? So this is me cheating here. Okay. Is it worth adding Andre Kuzmenko into the overall transaction list to say, hey, this is found money, or is that uh, cheating? Uh, I don't think it fits. Now yeah, okay. now. Where what it does do is if Kuzmenko hits in a big way, and I mean like massively hits, well that two point five million extra cap space, well that can go a long way in maintaining that player. So yes, it could help. I'm not sure you want to. I can't give you extra points for that though. I'm always looking for shortcuts, man. I'm not giving you an extra grade. You don't get an extra point. Just Good try. Go over again. Now I just not, need to not get invited to a party, and it'll be the whole experience <laughs> all over again. Yeah, this one's unsigned. If Benning's <laughs> regime made this exact same trade, Canucks Twitter and 650 listeners will lose their mind over throwing away a second-round pick. I, I mean, mean it right depends on who you're following on Twitter, really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know what? Uh, keep getting those text messages in, 650-650-604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Canucks win 4 nothing over the Arizona Coyotes to wrap up the preseason on the other side, we'll hear from head coach Bruce Boudreau, and you're going to hear from Canucks general manager Patrick Alvin after making a trade and also his thoughts on some injured Canucks players. It's Satyar Shaw and it's Bick Nazar, and this is the Canucks Central Postgame Show on Sportsnet 650. Now, more of the Kintec Footwear and Orthotics Canucks postgame show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Luke Shin back to it. Kuzmenko standing in the box. About to be released. He is back onto the ice and Pearson finds him for a breakaway. Kuzmenko in alone. Score! Out of the box and into the back of the net. Andre Kuzmenko has his third of the preseason to make it 4-0 in the dying seconds of the second. Andre Kuzmenko keeps thrilling the crowd, and this time it was the home crowd here at Rogers Arena. A goal coming out of the penalty box, a quick shot. 
And man, that guy has the text message inbox rolling. Canucks win 4-0 over the Arizona Coyote, Coyotes to wrap up the preseason. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650. Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar. Uh, phone boards are open, 604-280-0650. We'll see if we can get to, to some calls. We have a lot of audio coming up. We are going to hear from Patrick Alvin and Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux. But we have time to check in on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, Bick, 650-650. Yeah, there's some Kuzmenko stuff. Um, um, this one from Boris. Kuzmenko, Kuzmenko, Kuzmenko. So NHL ready, don't you think? Loved him in Miller's spot in the last power play. Uh, but it's sad it's been mostly uh, nonstop commenting uh, from the listeners about the trade that went down. Uh, and some people texting in. Paul and Coquillum, Jet Wu, Cole Lynn, Alex Mallett, Anton Rodin. We're all second rounders. Who cares? And I think it's perhaps missing the bigger point. Like, this is currency. Draft picks and and all your assets are mm-hmm. currency, and second round picks have certain level of value. It's it's not just about hey what player you draft. And as a point is being made, um, Canucks traded a third to get Dickinson, and then traded a second to get rid of him. Avalanche traded two second round picks for Devon Tays. Canucks waste picks like crazy, and that's the thing. It's the opportunity cost that you mentioned. You just never know what's going to come available to you. Now you open up a bit mm-hmm. more cap space, but cap space versus currency of a draft pick. It, it, it's, it's that calculation that GMs constantly are working on, but how you utilize a cap space is now what's important here. It, it, it's not a cheap cost. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, you can you can think it's worth it. You can like it. Uh, you can enjoy the possibilities it provides potentially with the cap space. But it is a cost. You have to look at the potential downside of as, as well. And we looked at the potential upside of it. And, you know, uh, when it comes to the general manager, Patrick Alvin, he does get a little extra cap space right now as well, even if they hold on to Riley Stillman. So we'll see what he had to say about that and what else they might be looking to do here before the regular season begins. And here he is first being asked about the new defenseman they've acquired from Chicago Blackhawks, Riley Stillman. Um, Riley Stillman, uh, 24 years old, left shot defenseman, um, started in Florida, um, see him as a third pairing defenseman, uh, character guy, uh, hard to play against, um, help us, uh, with our depth here. How much of this trade is about creating a little bit of cap space and savings? Yeah, it, it's part of, uh, the league and, and it's, uh, operating in LTIR as we are right now. You, you want to... Uh, make sure you have uh, flexibility moving forward here, and uh, yeah, it was it was uh, part of it. Uh, but we were also happy to uh, to get uh, Riley back. Um, and Jason Dickinson uh, is a good hockey player too, so it, it's obviously a, a never easy decision. But uh, I think in in the end, I think um, both uh, clubs here were uh, happy about that. Eric, there's a financial component, obviously, but uh, did Dickinson just? get outplayed too do you think at some level or some of the younger guys push here in camp well i think um, you know we're really happy to see the internal competition that that uh, all the good teams need and in, the, in this case we have uh, we feel that we have uh, depth uh, more so in that position and give uh, the coaching staff options and and yeah that was part of it what have you seen from nils Alman through camp and preseason yeah, I I was impressed with his fitness level coming in here, and I think um, you know he just uh, keeps going. And I, I my message to to all the younger players was uh, to take one step at a time and don't think too too long forward. Aaron, I, I think he's um, you know uh, showing that he wants to compete for uh, for the opening night roster. With Myers getting injured, was that at all a factor into adding a defenseman? We you know we always talk about the options. Um, you know, I'm making sure that the coaching staff have uh, um, enough options to put put a team in place to win hockey games. And you know, Dermot and Myers are all, are out here, um, hopefully uh, week to week, um, or in Myers' case, maybe two to four weeks. But um, we're looking at all options to make our team better uh, depth-wise and and have. Uh, a guy like Riley Steelman coming in here and, and having us uh, uh, being a little bit harder to play against, also getting a younger defenseman. You could have made a waiver claim, or tried a waiver claim anyway. You wouldn't have to give up a second-round pick. It must be difficult having another pick in this trade. 
um, I believe we still can uh, make waiver picks. Yeah, well, uh, it's something that uh, me and my staff always talk about, the value of uh, cash, uh, the value of picks, and, and, you know, you see around the league what, the, what, what it costs uh, in today's cap world. Does the cap space allow you to do maybe something else? Could be. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, you know, we got to see. We got to steal a couple of days here to uh, uh, keep you guys busy. Is there an update on the concussion? Um, he. Uh, uh, wobble off the ice. Okay. So yeah. I I didn't even see what happened there, but but he is. Uh, I believe he had a concussion. Uh, he's doing better, and uh, I'm not sure if he skated today or not. I know that you had said at the end of last season that you wanted to improve the defense and uh, in the summer when you when you signed Mikheyev he said you have to try and do that through trade is that ongoing does, does Stillman satisfy your needs for now or do you still think you need another defenseman well talking to my staff um, and our pro scouts I, I think we were always looking for options to improve our team uh, I think we you know we're never satisfied and we you know want to make sure where the coaching staff has uh, 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 good options to put a team uh, to win games, and that's where we're always trying to uh, to get, you know, options uh, short term and long term. With Dale Talon joining the organization, is he someone who had some input on this, having known Stillman from previous organizations? Yeah, I mean, Dale was part of Florida, uh, who drafted him, uh, and then you know we've seen him uh, over the years in, in Chicago and Florida here, and, and even going back with their amateur guys to uh, knowing him from back in Oshawa there, Hamilton. Uh, Bruce said this morning that Brock is going to be back at practice as early as this weekend, perhaps. Is he a possibility for opening night? Um, I don't know what the stat status is for him uh, regarding opening night yet, but but I believe that he's making progress, and there is a chance that he will be back in practice here shortly. And is there any clarity on Di Giuseppe? He's kind of gone. Um, I believe that he has a lower body, and uh, it, it's my the, the information I have is two to four weeks. So did, we uh, haven't seen your full team, obviously, with all the injuries. How do you assess? Uh, where you are at this point? How do you assess the preseason? Um, good question. I mean, um, the good thing is that we have seen a lot of our depth players, and I'm really happy to see um, the younger players uh, pushing here, the older guys in practice, and, and giving us uh, some hard discussions about the opening night roster on Monday. So um, I think it's a, ba- it's a fine balance. I think the coaching staff know what they have in the older guys that played here before, but uh, from more perspective, we've been really satisfied to see a lot of younger players. Looking at Stillman, his underlying analytics from last year were not particularly good. Is that something that you looked at and were concerned about, something that you take into account, or do you... Yeah, I think we we're using um, or you know all our departments, uh, the, the scouting department and, and the analytic departments when we're making uh, decisions. Um, you know, part of it was you know the, how the team played and uh, what kind of role he had. And um, we'll, as I said, we see him as a third pairing defenseman here. As far as uh, depth defensemen go, um, just what you've seen so far from uh, from Christian Wolanin and I guess from Kyle Burrows coming back as well as well. Yeah, um, I've been very pleased with uh, Christian Milan and, and um, you know the, the three games he played and and uh, he really showing us what 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 he is capable to and and I believe that he's giving uh, uh, the coaches options again for being in the top six. Did some of the injuries make it more difficult to navigate the cap ahead of opening night? Make this move part of the reason? Uh, yes and no. I mean definitely makes it harder when you have injuries and, and you're working in LTIR um, but also uh, in the bigger picture we want to make sure we have uh, options and flexibility here uh, moving forward and going into the season as well as next season. That is Canucks General Manager Patrick Alvin after well making a trade tonight sending Jason Dickinson and a second round pick in 2024 to the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for Riley Stillman talked about Riley Stillman the character he brings the toughness he brings and the qualities but uh, Bick he was pretty clear Alvin that this trade is very much about the flexibility it offers this season and also next season and as far as picking anybody else up well 
Uh, he kind of alluded to that they still have that option, and maybe Coily suggested that's something they might be doing the next 24, 48 hours. Coily is a nice way to put it. Uh, Private Patrick, as yeah. I might uh, start calling him. <laughs> Private Patrick. Doesn't... Uh, doesn't like to let out a lot of secrets. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, again, we'll see what happens uh, if, if they execute on a waiver option, uh, which would add another body. And there's a couple of D-men that uh, I know a couple of people looked at tonight and said, all right, uh, yeah. the, the, the one from Edmonton and, and Winnipeg, Kovacevic. Uh, you yeah. Know, and you know interesting what? Interesting options, but... And even, you know, maybe this is the move they make on the back end and we'll see if they do something else, right? But uh, up front, there are holes. There are spots you can fill and as far as tonight's performance goes I mean uh, I think Niels Oman is somebody that has impressed us and played a strong game against tonight he played again tonight played 14 minutes and 30 seconds played a bit on the PK um, I'm not sure Linus Carlson is ready to play in the NHL yet and if he's not and we'll see what Garland's status is maybe a forward could be needed for depth Di Giuseppe has gone for a little while and as far as some of the other guys on the bubble tonight, well, let's hear from head coach Bruce Boudreaux, who um, got to watch his team have a sparkling performance in their final preseason game, shutting out the Coyotes 4-0, the Canucks getting goals from uh, Bo Horvat to open up the scoring, Dakota Joshua in the second period, Elias, second period, Elias Pettersson, and also, also Andre Kuzmenko, and they only let the Coyotes get seven shots on net tonight. So what does the coach think of the performance? Here is Bruce Boudreaux. Well, I, I think we checked, 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 and uh, that's what we wanted to do, and we wanted to have a good start. We got that. Uh, we checked those boxes, but I just think our um, taking time and space away from these guys, even though, like, I mean, the, those, some of the players weren't, you know, totally their, their team, but, I mean, we still worked our, our butts off, and I think that's what I take from it is, is we didn't care about them. We wanted to work hard, and we worked hard. Do you have an update on Garland? I think, no, I haven't, but I, I don't think it, I haven't seen the doctor yet, but uh, um, from all uh, intents and purposes, wasn't going to be too bad. Bruce, we've asked you a few times along the way. Preseason's now over. How do you assess Andre Kuzmenko? <laughs> um well, like he can score. <laughs> give him a shot and give him a chance and he can score. But he's, you know, I mean, he's going to be good. He's still learning this game. I mean, he played his whole life overseas and, and it's a different game. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a little more uh, north-south, north uh, not as much east-west. And, I mean, he likes to do a lot of stick handling. I mean, but uh, there's no doubt about his release and his shot is as good as anybody's. And uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good weapon when you... When you have it. What about this is the final preseason game? What are your thoughts as the preseason has come to an end and you're looking forward to Wednesday night? Well, I think everybody's looking forward to Wednesday night. I mean, <clears throat> uh, to start something. I mean, it's, you know, I think of the NFL when they, when they wanted to cut down the preseason games and everything else because the players didn't want it. I think a lot of the players in hockey are the same way. They want to get the preseason over with. They can't wait to come to camp. They can't wait to get it started, and then after a week or so, they can't wait to get the real thing going. And I think our team, Edmonton's team, every team is gonna is gonna uh, can't wait to get every everything going. So um, we'll we'll ramp up after a day off tomorrow and have three good days and get into Edmonton and see what happens. You think Wednesday is going to be a high tempo game? Would you like the opposition tonight to? Be you, a little more it'll be a little more high tempo yeah. than tonight's Would you game. Like a little more high tempo. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought the two games, or the one game, especially in Abbotsford, was, was high tempo. We learned a lot from the Seattle game in Seattle because they were, came at us pretty good. So, I mean, I think, all of the, I think we know what we're to expect, um, whether we can, you know, handle it. That's another story. But uh, we're certainly going to, you know, give it a try. Have you had a minute to wrap your head around uh, the trade tonight? The difference in Not really. Uh, you know, I mean, but you look a we got a couple D hurt. We certainly need a defenseman, you know, and uh, we do think that uh, Amon's played really well, you know, and hopefully uh, we hate to see Dickie go. He's a, a quality person, and and he was having his best training camp out of the out of the couple years that he's been here. So, but, you know, to get something, you have to give something. The last couple of games have gotten pretty scrappy and chippy. Uh, do you feel like you got enough physical pushback from your team? Well, I don't think we w went anywhere. Like, I mean, that's a, that was, they had uh, as physical a team as there's going to be in the NHL, and we stood up to them. I mean, 
Uh, you know, if everybody dropped their gloves, we probably wouldn't win a lot of the battles, or most of them, but uh, uh, we didn't cower away. We stayed in the fight. We, we stood together as a group, and I think uh, uh, in all the games we've done that. So that tells me that uh, uh, we're, we're a tight team, and uh, uh, that, that rough stuff's not going to bother us. You talked about the length of the preseason. You've been at this a while. Like, from a coaching perspective, do you need seven games to make decisions, or could you get to your conclusions with fewer? Oh, I don't know if it's necessary. You know, if it's necessary to have seven. Some teams. I remember when Toronto would have ten. It was only a couple of years ago. So I mean, uh, but it is what it is. I'm you know not going to complain. I like being behind the bench for all of them. So <laughs> it's uh, the players. And when I was playing, I would go, Oh my God, here we got another exhibition game. But as a coach, I'm excited to see what we got and how much we can how much we can learn on a day to day basis. That is Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreau. Excited to be behind the bench, even though it is a preseason, but obviously uh, very eager to get the regular season going on Wednesday in Edmonton against the Oilers. And, you know, he, he talked about Kuzmenko and how he's adjusting and how well he's played. And he did offer his thoughts a little bit on the trade. And, again, the Canucks, a lot of injuries to the back end. And that is a bit of a problem for this team heading into the season. And getting Riley Stillman gives him a veteran for depth and – you know, DeKaiser was here as well on a PTO. This is something they've been kind of looking at. For sure. And, and he did also mention someone's play like Nils Oman that hey, maybe leapfrog Jason Dickinson mm-hmm. on the depth chart. And I really thought tonight was probably his best performance as well for uh, for Nils Oman. He just the, – the first game I was like, eh, all right. I know there was a little bit of hype, but he's stacked performance after performance on top of each other, and he's gotten a little bit better every single night. And with that comes a little bit more confidence, of course. And tonight I thought was definitely his best game in the right spots, trying to create something and just putting the puck in, in dangerous areas as well. So a uh, really encouraging sign, and, and there's a show of confidence as well from the head coach and obviously the, the entire organization with the transaction that they made. Yeah, and uh, we'll see what else is going to be happening here with the team. It could be an interesting couple of days over the weekend and next next week as we get set for the lineup. And I, I don't think we're any closer yet to determining who's going to make this team. I think Niels Oman, like you said, is probably going to be on the squad with how he's played. I think we'll see Linus Carlson go down. We see, we'll see what happens with Sheldon Dries? Do they pick somebody else up on the back end? Will Landon or Rathbone, or do they pick somebody else up as well? So I don't think after tonight, Bick, we have a clearer indication of who's going to be on this team outside of Niels Oman because of how impressed they've been and how much they've talked them up. I, I'm, yeah, the, the next 24, 48 hours before the final roster decision. Like right now, I don't feel comfortable right now saying that we're going to see um, – Will Lannan and Rathbone, or one of them on, on the team. We, we like rewarding persistence. Uh, the person that is uh, texted in many times this evening with just, uh, could they, we ever claim Martinook, and then repeatedly said Martinook? Martin question looks and now full caps Martin Huck. Yeah, so, so Mar- uh, he he was on waivers. So I mean, he's a name I had heard linked with Vancouver in the past. So does that mean two years ago? Two years ago, yeah. and and even recently, I mean, I heard his name pop up as as a forward that could make sense for Vancouver. Now that they've traded money out, I'm not sure. I, I, I think he was a guy they were looking at if they could trade money out and back in, you know what I mean, a little bit. Um, he can be picked up for free now. It's 1.8 on the cap this year and next season. And you can bury him next year a little bit and save some cash. I wonder if it's slightly more than what they want to add on the books for next year. He's not cheap. 1.8 million. Yeah. And, and it's on the books next year as well. And, and as much as like, hey, you ha- you you can talk about putting Stillman down in the minors maybe next season. All of a sudden, you talk about putting three million down in the minors. Yeah, you're putting you're, you're you, you the cash savings is drying up right away if you do that. So and it could happen, but I'm not sure. Again, I, I like the player. Is there a little bit of a redundancy then to have Martin Nook and Joshua and all and and Lazar all that? Uh, Unless you want to really have a crash and bang fourth line. It's true. You know, he's a guy who has speed. He brings some intangibles. He's got some ability. Ability. He is on waivers. So you could pick him up for free. So we'll see what happens. But again, to drive home the point, and Alvin kind of alluded to it, this is a team that's still looking to do some other things as well. You know, and the Dickinson trade. As much as um, we can, we can, we can talk about whether it's worth giving up the draft pick or not. One thing they had set out to do was clear cap space, and they talked about it a lot. 
And we talked about how if they don't at least get rid of one of those bad contracts this year, it's going to be really hard not only to have flexibility this year, but have flexibility beyond this year. Now that you've given yourself a little bit of room, I'm not saying the Canucks are going to all of a sudden have, you know, uh, the world's not their oyster. They can't go out there and make any trade that they want. But I think this deal does give them enough flexibility, even this season, to do some other things potentially. Again, uh, you mentioned this, the projected cap space that they could have, somewhere in the range of 16 to $17 million set. So seventeen million, roughly. I mean, this depends on the cap jump and all. Those uh, so seventeen million if they put uh, Stillman in the minors next season, they would have yeah. a cap space. Plus and with the one million dollar jump as well. So seventeen, they would they would have seventeen million, and they would have six roster spots open. Which is again, you pointed out, allows you to do one to two big things, you and then a bunch of minor things as well. If that means players coming through your own system as well, yeah, you can. I mean, if you fill out some some uh, some of the depth spots or whatever, usually with ELCs or guys making a million or less, you're looking at you can add two players making anywhere from eight to seven million. So that means if you keep Bo and pay him seven million, you can add another up to seven million dollar player. Now, hey, maybe Kuzmenko is really good, and, and he, you know, bites into that a little bit or whatever it is. But now you have the flexibility to get those deals done and have a little bit more room to do other things as well, potentially. Uh, 650-650. Now we're just getting uh, waiver questions. Um, what about a waiver on Clem Costin as well uh, from Leroy? 650-650. He's a talented player. He's got some skill. It was a surprising name to see uh, on the, the waiver list as well. Yes. Uh, I mean, there are a few decent names on the waiver list because what ha- what's happened, too, with the waiver requirements and the rosters, the way they were set up, a lot of decent players find them find themselves on waivers nowadays. So, you know, if you have a little flexibility, there's at least somebody interesting you can go after and get. Uh, 650. 650. You can keep chiming in. Uh, this one's uh, Alvin is so secretive. Every answer starts with, I believe. Uh He's just trying to be as secretive as possible. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's been the profile. We've heard him a lot on Canuck Central as well, and Halford and Broth when he's joined the station. And and yeah, he's he's placed things uh, pretty tight to the chest uh, so far. Uh, this one, uh, judging Alvin's comments on Willannon, uh and Stillman, Rathbone is a hundred percent being sent down. He's played his way off the team. We'll see. We'll see. And, hey, what they may do um, in terms of who they send down to keep the first couple of days may not be who plays um, the first game of the season on Wednesday in Edmonton. But I would say, again, even though Rathbone wasn't super impressive, there is enough of an organizational investment in him and belief in him this season, which could potentially make the decision go in his favor over Willannon. That is something you have to consider. So I agree. Willannon's been better, but I'm not sure that will necessarily determine whether Willannon stays here over Rathbone. Uh, just a fun stat that I just discovered. Uh, given what happened this uh, game, uh, the uh, Vancouver Canucks had more power plays than the Arizona Coyotes had shots on goal. Yeah, that's uh, pretty bad. <laughs> Listen, the Coyotes are playing in a non-NHL arena, and they're not going to have an NHL team playing in that arena. Embrace it. Embrace the environment. It's it's an absolute joke. I mean, hey, the team, listen, you know what? I, I have no issue with the team because, hey, they're doing tanking well, and, hey, as long as the league allows you to do tanking, sure, whatever, you're tanking as well as you can. But what an embarrassment. I mean, it's one thing to be this bad and then play it in an arena that's smaller than the Abbotsford Center. Connor Bedard's got to pull a Steve Francis. The average center is twice as big as the arena the Arizona Coyotes is going to be playing in. And I love being at the, at the Abbotsford Center, but I can't imagine being in a rink that's half that size for an NHL game. It'll be an interesting <laughs> experiment. <laughs> Those college nights will be fun, though. Yeah, they could be a just, lot of Just fun. leave the rink and head yeah. straight to a college party? Exactly. Uh, okay, so I want to I address this one text that came in, and I see some people mention it as well. Boudreaux doesn't seem sold on Kuzmenko besides his shot. Do you guys know why? I don't know if he's not sold. I think what he's doing is tempering expectations mm-hmm. a bit because he understands the difference between preseason and regular season, and guys who are still making that adjustment – the pace is going to go up in a massive way mm-hmm. on Wednesday. It's going to be a lot different. And the grind of the National Hockey League, the travel of the National Hockey League, and all that sort of stuff, it's a big adjustment. So even though Kuzmenko looks great right now, what's to say that Kuzmenko doesn't go through a tough adjustment period of the rigors of the National Hockey League to start off? And I think 
he's being careful with that a little bit because as good as Kuzmenko has been, it's a completely different animal starting Wednesday and maintaining this type of production in the regular season is it's not easy to do, man. That's why it's, guys get paid a lot of money to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't get too worried with the wording. Uh, it's a classic thing, right? It's let the actions dictate the evaluation, and he's put him on the power play. He's put him in the role filling in for Brock Besser. You can put a lot of different people in that spot. You can make the power play look a bit different. You can put Vasily put Coles, and you can put Connor Garland there. Uh, he's featured Andre Kuzmenko, so follow the actions more than the words, and Andre Kuzmenko has gotten a heightened profile uh, on special team on special teams, uh, and again, he, he, like he's compared his release to Alex Ovechkin. I know it's just the shot, but if if that's what you're saying publicly and that's how you view it, you're going to live with what else that guy can yeah. do on the ice. As long as he scores. Yeah. Uh, final thought, uh, what did you think of Niels Hoaglander's game tonight playing with uh, Miller and Pearson? Uh, fit in. I thought he played well. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody played poorly for the Canucks tonight. I mean, we talked about Willannon versus Rathbone. It's not like Rathbone was terrible. A few mistakes. No, yeah. We know, and Willannon was a cleaner and everything like that. It was a very positive night for a lot of players. Hey, hey, one thing we talked about so much throughout the preseason, and I want to give these guys credit, play with good habits. Yeah. And tonight they play with good habits. Yeah, sure, mistakes will happen. Some turnovers are going to happen. But they had good habits tonight. I really liked how they got out of their own zone. The, the entries were a lot cleaner. The exits were a lot cleaner. That's what I kind of want to want to see. And one more note. Oliver Ekman Larson, I like what I saw from him tonight. Never gets enough love here. Just uh, he he played a lot of shifts tonight that where he was just a conductor, uh, just just knew how to tick the tempo along perfectly, especially on the power play. Obviously, the first goal uh, is his his shot goes through or kind of a shot pass to Bo Horvat where he's able to deflect it up. He just makes so many good decisions and his processing speed. He knows what he wants to do before he gets there. Conductor, orchestrator, uh, choreographer, whatever you want to call it, he it just it just goes at his tempo, and it's so yeah. encouraging to watch just how confident he is on the puck all of the time, and it's so smooth. It's on his stick, off his stick. We got a text earlier saying you guys citing puck possession time for individual players isn't a good thing. Watch Oe yell if the puck is off his stick, and look, it's a valid point. Um, but he, also, he was also one of the leaders in time puck possession. Yeah, he, he, was, he was fourth in the Canucks tonight. <laughs> but it is, look, yeah. and tonight's not really a night indicative of his, how he usually does it, because the other day he was yes. up over two minutes. But, yeah, he, he, he is so smooth and so quick on the puck as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and hopefully he can play a bit quicker this year, too, and maybe fits in a bit better and can, well maybe win some more fans over with his play this season if he has a strong year. All right, uh, we've been having a lot of fun here on the post-game show. Can't wait to do it for the regular season starting on Wednesday, next Wednesday when the Canucks are in Edmonton against the Oilers, and it will be a two-hour post-game show. We'll be back to normal for that, but we appreciate everybody being along for the ride for the final preseason game. Thanks for all your thoughts. Th- thanks for listening and being part of it, and we can't wait for next week when it gets for real. And also thanks uh, to Justin Morissette back at the studio and our producer, executive producer, here at the rink. Lena helping us out this evening as well. Satyar Shah, Bik Nazar. This has been the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650.